And we are back, and we are live. Back and live? We're not actually live. We're live. You guys aren't live with us. But welcome back to JK Moto Podcast, a motorcycle-related podcast. Your one-stop shop for all your moto podcast and other content-related items. Brought to you today and always by Working Class Customs. Custom fabrication shop out of northern Utah. Uh, that's all I got. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Merry, How you Merry, doing today? Merry Christmas. Sorry. Um, I'm, I'm doing all right. Not a bad look. I got my... I. It's Christmas. I can see you're all decorated up with the exact same decorations you always have. <laughs> I, was, I was telling the wife we ought to think about putting up a tree... I'm thinking maybe next Friday, Saturday. When when's Christmas? Well, this will come out Wednesday. So I hope you mean this Friday, Saturday, because Monday will be Christmas. Nah, I'm just bluffing. I ain't putting up a tree. There's trees in the yard, you know. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got, I got things to do. All right. Well, should we? Uh, oh well, you know what? We always do this. We always like start and don't tell anyone what to stick around for we got some moto american news yeah moto gp news i think not really <laughs> I've, I've been seeing a bunch of stuff so just rumors on that side um but a little bit to talk about there i think and then uh and then and then and then, and then i just returned today it's monday we're recording this on monday i just returned from cvma Round three. Chuck Walla Valley Motorcycle Racing Association. I don't know if racing is actually in their name, but anyway. No, yeah, doesn't. the uh, the the tippity top, top of the top best racers in the nation, it being the United States of America, where everyone gathers for a winter of nothing but two-wheel racing. So one of our, right. one of us, JK Motor, JK Moto-ers, Went over there and to check it out, see what it's all about, and uh, we'll get a report on that. So that'll be fun because uh, I, I get to learn about it too. You know, I've heard all these great things. So perfect. Let's roll okay. the intro. All right. Yesterday at one point, I was in six. And we're back. We're back. We're back. Sorry, I'm bringing up a bringing up some articles real quick so we can uh, only spread facts. Only facts. Home road racing news. So you know, while you're looking at that, you know, you know that was the last time. You know that little clap we did. That's the last time I'm gonna be able to do that with a, an unmodified appendage. What do you mean? Wednesday, the day this podcast comes out, I'll be in there getting my second shoulder surgery. So, so you're saying can... you you went down to California, raced, and then decided you needed an excuse in case you didn't do too well to not come back and No. Well, maybe. I was I was getting some pressure from our friend over there to you know, to come back another round and I would love to get I would love to get back there another round, at least mm -hmm. one more. Uh it's kind of an expensive trip from here. I don't know. That might be interesting to the viewers, but uh, that weekend, four days, I'm about $4,500 into it. $4,500 for, break, break that down, what are we talking? We're talking. I mean, this is good, right? To to go from Utah to San Diego, California-ish So, yeah, for a, a weekend of, of racing. Yeah, a lot of talking on the way home about how to cut those prices, and there's definitely ways to do that. But I'm about 1200 bucks in tires. Okay. That seems like a low amount. What? That seems low. You keep saying that. Not, I mean, we talked a little bit before this. You said that number, but twelve hundred dollars in tires is only if you're over five hundred a set. That's two sets of tires. No, because they're two hundred eighty a pop for a rear. Okay. And I did so four rears. Okay. And one front. So only one per day. Yes, but I was also flipping them between rounds. Okay. Is that four new ones or four total? Four new ones 
plus the one that was slightly used that was on it when I arrived. Okay, so a little bit more than twelve hundred bucks then. Okay, that's that was my question. You you spent twelve hundred dollars on tires while you were there. Not necessarily yeah. only used twelve hundred dollars worth of tires. Yeah, not taking into account the ones that I brought in the trailer. Right. So, all right, cool. So, t- so tires, <laughs> tires for the r- for a race weekend, which I think everyone knows as a pretty good expense. Yeah. So for me, for me to get down there, the the things that I signed up for, which well, that that I want to talk about, mm-hmm. but we'll get to that later. The the things that I sign up for required me to be there about six thirty a.m. on Thursday. It's a ten and a half hour drive for me. So we drove about nine and a half hours of that Wednesday night after work. Got me a holiday in. There was a cost. And then staying at CV CVMA or at Chuck Wall Valley Raceway, there's it's 30 minutes to the closest gas station. Okay. It's 50 minutes to an hour to the closest hotel. Mm-hmm. Case in point, anybody planning on going out there, your best budget bet is to camp at the track, stay at the track, which, you know, most people do, of course. Uh, I didn't want to pull down the the toy hauler or anything. So they hate the, your next option is they have cabins on site. And right. I'm going to give a super shout out to the Chuck Walla Valley Raceway cabins. If you're going there and you want to spend a little bit of money, more so than sleeping in the parking lot, uh, I didn't know what to expect going in, but they're like these, they call them cabins, but they're like these tiny homes. You got full-size fridge, you know, nice bathroom. You can put up to four people in one. They have a, okay. they have a separate, right. separate bedroom with like a pull-out couch, TV, you know, whatever. Very nice. Very nice. How much, how much are those? The cabins are about 200 bucks. 200 a night. 200 that's not, too, that's not too bad when you think about it. No, you can split it between four people or, you know, if it's four guys going, you got wives, two couples, you know, whatever, but it's not too bad. They were really nice. And I know, I know that everybody brags about it's a winter series. So the weather's great, right? Desert. Dude, the days it got up to, you know, 71, 72 was beautiful. It was perfect. It was almost hot, right? Feeling Mm -hmm. for me coming from where I'm at. Yeah. But the day I swear lasted two hours and then it was dark again. I mean, <laughs> Which is strange for being being so far south. Yeah. The it just the day seemed so short. And as soon as that sun started going down, it just got nippy and you know, it was high thirties, low forties overnight. And so yeah. keep that in mind if you are sleeping in the parking lot, you're not gonna you're not gonna wanna, you know. Dress warm. <laughs> Definitely need a, a decent sleeping bag or a big blanket, something. Just use your tire warmers. I hear that's really smart. Yeah, um, that was actually tried. I seen that tried actually oh. this weekend. So okay, uh, there, was, <laughs> there were some people with some heated blankets, and they were joking about starting tire warmers and wrapping themselves in them. So okay, so back back to cost. Yeah. So I had so I had the cost for. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. So three nights at 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then I left Sunday night after the racing ended and made my way all the way back to Mesquite to get as much of the drive done as I could keep my eyes open for. Got me another holiday in. So there's you another night. You got the, the fuel cost to get down there, of course. And then entry fees. I guess we're going right into the CVMA. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah, we can start with CVMA. We come back. Well, we can start with CVMA. Might as well. I learned some things on that note. A couple things I definitely want to shout out about CVMA and how they do things different than what I've become accustomed to or what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these things we've talked about before, and I knew them, but I hadn't experienced them firsthand. So I have some opinions after experiencing them. First thing, uh, USBA, where I race, my home track my club if you will right the usba charges it's 300 bucks for the day for a race day right and it's you're allowed to as many races as you want as many races as your bike qualifies for or your or your second bike or you i mean you can literally race 14 races in a day if you choose 
Yeah, right. If you, if you had a bike for every class, you could race every single class. Yep, for 300 bucks, And it's just a one set rate. CVMA does it different. CVMA has a general entry price. Mm-hmm. And then you pay per race. So you go ahead and pick which races you're going to race. Choose them. I found for me, and I'm sure it's different with every situation, and uh, I've got some good examples, I guess, of that. But for my situation, the price was about sixes. Okay. For the amount of races that I signed up, it ended up being about the same price for me. But, you know, yeah, talking to a, people... As a weekend at USBA, right? Yes. Okay. So... Although they're both doing it completely different, price was the same for me. But what I did find is the grids at USBA, uh, you never know who's going to show up. Because since you can sign up for every race, you sign up for every race. Just in case you might decide you want to do it. And then if you're tired from the last round, you just skip that one. And so the grids are sloppy. Let's put it that way. The grids tend to be a little sloppy at USBA because... You know, maybe you're gridded 15th and there's 25 bikes in the grid. And when you get out there, there's only six guys. Right. Or And gals, right? Yeah. For, yeah. for for different. And sometimes that's not the case, but just overall sloppy. I found that the CVMA uh, or at CVMA, if there was going to be 10 bikes there, there was going to be at least nine. You know, everybody was showing up unless there was a mechanical or a crash in an earlier round, you know, those kind of things. Right, there's some um, there's some actual buy-in for each individual round rather than just for the day. Yep. Makes and sense. Everybody didn't go home half day because they were tired on Sunday. You know, if you had a race, you had to stay around. So that, talking that aspect, is that a pro or a con? I believe it's a pro from the aspect of knowing what you're expecting when you pull up to the grid, how many mm-hmm. bikes are there, uh, making, sure, making sure people only are signing up for what they want to race. So you... So the race direction, the guys making the grids, all the people involved, you know, they know what to expect. They, if 10 people signed up, they can expect 10 people to show up. Right. I mean, that's got to, I haven't been behind the curtain on either side, but that's got to be a pain for USPA when nobody shows up. Yeah. And then if you're, if you're an analytical guy like you and you want to start, you know, running some Excel spreadsheets, figuring out where you're making your money, what's popular with the racers, you know, from a data standpoint, how are you keeping track of that? Like is novice GTO a popular class? Cause they have 40 people sign up every week, but are they keeping track that only two people actually hit the grid? Well, I mean, I don't know if anyone's actually keeping track of any of that, but you would, still get i mean you have the transponder you have you're still totaling points for every everything right you're still putting out who won and all that so you still definitely have all of that information available but how much does that actually change like are you are you more willing to race something because well, i signed up for it, might as well go race it vice i gotta pay if i want to do that is it worth my time is it that's worth true. my money that's true that'd be a double-edged i mean you might Exactly like you're saying, if I can reiterate, it, some people might race more than they would have otherwise. Right. But, you know, some of the people listening will know who I'm talking about, but uh, it was it was told to me, say a person wants to race one race. They want to come up to Utah and race one race. It costs $300. Right. Is that worth it for one race? Where at CVMA, if they just want to show up and race a race... They can just pay for the one they want and then go home when they're done. So yeah. just different, you know, everybody's in different situations. So my opinion is overall the pay per race makes more sense. Okay. I think from what you're describing anyway, and I have, you know, a limited experience on that, but I think I agree with you. I think that is better. I think when you make someone pay for something, the more you can break it down, the more you can tell one, like you said, kind of being able to analyze who actually wants to be on this? Because if you have two people sign up for a race, then we can probably just cut that out next year. Every single round, we have maximum three, and as low as one guy, he automatically wins. It's just him getting track time. Like, cut that class out. Not saying that's happening or not, but if it happened. Right. And then also, I think, I mean, exactly that point right there. Maybe, maybe you can't do Saturday morning. Maybe you got something going on, you know? 
a lot of people have families, a lot of people have jobs, a lot of people have whatever else might be going on. Maybe you got something going on on a Saturday morning, but you want to race that race in the afternoon. Now you can do that and you're not spending 300 bucks for one race. So that's a, that's a huge difference. But the number one thing, the number one thing that I was excited for, and I hope that USBA will take note because it's been said before in meetings and all club organizations around the world should take note. We've heard this before. We've talked to people about this before, but for the love of God, after seeing it firsthand, qualifying for every class. Yeah. It was so simple. I, I mean, I didn't know. I, I I feel for USBA and, you know, obviously I'm going to talk a lot about these two clubs because that's what I'm familiar with. Right. But, yep. And I know there's people listening in New Jersey that don't give a crap about either one of them, but here we are. Yeah. So. Everyone, everyone, I think, in the U.S., can and should care a little bit about CVMA. Agreed. Agreed. But USBA only qualifies for their top tier classes. They're King of the Mountain GTO, King of the Mountain GTU. Right. That's the so that's your that's your big boy thousands and your middleweights for mm-hmm. those that don't know. For those two classes, they do qualifying, but everybody else just gets a couple warm ups. And you're literally gridded on first your points and second your order of entry. So when you registered, that's how that grid is set. Fine is what it is, I thought. But now after experiencing CVMA, we keep hearing CVMA say, you know, people from there, they're always, we qualify for everything. We qualify for everything. And you hear the argument that it's too much work and it's too much work. Let me break this down for you. It's so simple. They start in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Before, I mean, tech's done on Friday night. The, the night before, the bulk of the tech is done. Tech is still open for people showing up on Saturday, but the bulk of the tech is done. Quite early in the morning, they start 10-minute qualifying. They okay. have an order of six classes that they break it down into. So there's six classes that each get 10 minutes. So it just starts at like 8 a.m. And it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Guy runs out, you know, you do two or three laps, get back off the track, the next group's out. Mm-hmm. And then it starts over again. And so it's two hours for that. Okay. It takes two hours to get, it takes at least two hours to get through all the warm ups in the morning at mm-hmm. USBA. And they're just not keeping track of times for it, really. Right. For anybody but those classes. Right. But at CVMA, they send them out. Everybody goes. You come back to the pit. You see what your time was. Your grid is immediately updated. It's showing you where you are. And you know, hey, I need two more seconds to get to this spot on the grid. I got to go find more time. I got to, you know, it was it's it's cold in the morning. So maybe that next session is going to be better. You know, all these things. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, the drama, the experience for the racer. Starts immediately. Starts immediately. It adds a whole nother level of complexity is the wrong word it's a whole nother level of it's a service to the racers it's it's that's part of the fun right i mean well it's almost an i mean it's almost another race right right like if you look at if you look at moto gp for instance not to not to take it to that but you know the the, probably the number one most watched motorcycle racing in the world (laughs) easily people watch qualifying sessions they're almost as important often more dramatic yeah. Like those matter. So it makes sense that even in on a club racing level, that would still matter because your start position definitely matters. I think you can probably attest to that having, you know, even Absolutely. with your one season of experience. So. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, it was that part of it was great. Kudos to them for the qualifying, um, the efficiency in which they did it. But. So my, I have a quick question on that because um, as everyone should know, but if you don't, uh, this is me, I don't race yet due to many different reasons, call them excuses, call them whatever, but I, I don't. Um, so my track motorcycle experience is limited to track days. And as you know, you go to a track day, you have your track meeting, whatever rider meeting in the morning. And they're always talking about, Hey, when the checkers out, don't run the checker. It's like almost every track day, 
even if we've been there, you know, third day in a row, they're still going to say it in case someone new is there. Don't run the checkered flag. We got 20 minute sessions. Do your 20 minutes and come off the track when you see a checkered. If you thought you saw a checkered, just come off the track. We'll let you back out if you haven't. So I'm kind of curious if you're running six sessions at 10 minutes a session, you know, is there, is there an issue with that? Or is everyone actually, because it's, it's racing, people have a little bit more buy-in, a little bit more respect, kind of. Two interesting points that brings up. One, at CVMA, once the race day starts, doesn't matter if it's qualifying or racing, the checkered flag is only at the start-finish line. There are no more okay. checkered flags on the field. So mm -hmm. I thought that might be bad because what if you miss it? Right. Cause on a track day, you know, you got multiple checkered flags going generally and you know, you see one of them, you stop. Right. I can attest that there were some runners. Wasn't me in the qualifying. There was a couple runners, which for those that don't know, that's somebody that doesn't see the checkered flag and goes and steals another lap. Yeah. Which on, on a track day, it is stealing another lap. So that, like it does get a little, if one guy keeps doing it, you're kind of like, well, hey, you know, we're all paying for the same amount of track time and you're out here getting an extra lap every session. So, right. But I've, I quickly found out also that just knowing that that's the only place the checker was going to be was actually easier to pay attention. And just always looked right there. That makes sense. Okay. You knew where it was going to be. You didn't have to worry. Did I miss one back in the back? Just watch it when you came down the straight. So that was good. You Another thing you brought up that I found interesting is me and you both have been to 50 million different uh, driver meetings. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting to see different tracks, how they handle it. Uh, CVMA did something that I've seen a couple different track orgs do now, but they called out some random names and made you raise your hand, just like a spot check to see if you were really at the driver's meeting because they weren't going to roll call everybody, but right. it is a requirement that you're supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. um, so they did that, but the CVMA, I felt, I felt like they treated you like an adult or with more respect from the, from the aspect. We didn't go over any flags. You're a racer. You're expected to know these things. You're a racer. You should know it. So they basically just, it was more of like, their rider meeting was more of like current events. Like, hey, we had somebody do this yesterday. Let's not do that. Watch for this. Goose um, poop in turn six. Yep. Have a, <laughs> have a great day. Be safe. Right? Yep. You're all professional. Do your thing. You got a license for a reason. We don't need to tell you that a checkered flag is a checkered flag. And that's, I it's, it's that. refreshing. Yeah, that that sounds refreshing. I've, so I've never been to a, again, I don't race, but after going to 50 million, as you quoted, I might throw a billion on there, you know, uh, <laughs> writers meetings. It feels like they're all the exact same thing. And it feels like every time you show up, you're being treated, treated like a little kid. And it's just like, don't do this, don't do that. And you've always got the 10 cent adders in the, in the audience. They're like, can we remind everyone that your tires will be cold because it's morning and it's 65 <laughs> degrees out here? Right. And anyway, it, it gets a little old. That does I sound. Do think, I, I do think a track day is a different situation. Oh, because I agree. you've got a lot of first time riders and everything. So yeah, I mean, I I agree that one hundred percent a track day riders meeting. You got people that never done it before. You got all these different things. I'm not saying it doesn't need to be that. Just saying it can get old, and I can't imagine being a licensed racer and still having to go through all of that every single time. Yeah. Especially like. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So the most important part, though, the most important part of the rider meeting that I want to point out, every one of their rider meetings mm -hmm. ends with the national anthem. Played over the loudspeaker. Uh, the rider gear tent has a big American flag. Okay. All right. That you can look at. And I appreciate it. I appreciated it. Thank you, CVMA. I appreciated that. I thought that was great. That's uh, good. USBA should pick that one up. Yeah, so, I agree. It's a good tradition. Yeah, I mean it's a it's America. It's a it's a a sport tradition in general. Yeah, in America. It, it, you go like high school football, softball, basketball, all of them, everything. That's yeah. that's what goes down. 
So I, I thought it I thought it added a lot to make it like an event. So by the time the so just to point out, this meeting is held after all the qualifying. Okay. So you're there, you haven't talked to anybody. You just know that at eight o'clock I'm taking the track for qualifying. The dust is settled, all that stuff's good, and then the rider meeting happens. And then the national anthem kicks off the actual racing. That is cool. I mean, that make that definitely makes it more of like if I was going as a spectator, mm-hmm. you know, that makes it more of a an event, like you said, a, a day, not just oh, there's some dudes out here riding motorcycles. What's going on? That kind of at least gives you a start of like this is it. So that's cool. That's good. So that that part was awesome. So for me, I want to give a shout out to uh, Dell, who is Racers Edge. He's the Dunlop supplier out in okay. the west. Uh, funny thing, every time I buy a Dunlop from Revzilla and have it shipped to me, or not from Revzilla, from Sport Bike Track Gear or Revzilla, anybody, it always comes from Racer's Edge out of Las Vegas. Anthony turned me on to signing up, you know, on a, in an earlier podcast we talked about it, but he he pointed out that I should sign up for the Racer's Edge training on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend that to anybody going out there for their first time. I. Uh, I think it was great. I mean, if nothing else, it's another track day. Yeah. Good time on track, but they have, they have two different options. You can sign up for uh one-on-one coaching or you can okay. sign up just for a, a track day. I mean, it, it's just a, it's just a track day. They run two classes. They run two groups, one with the one-on-one training and one group with you're just a free track day. Basically mm-hmm. the they're 30 minute sessions, which is, okay because there's only two groups. Right. Which is super nice because 30 minutes you don't have to worry about getting there right when it starts. You can feel better about just pulling off when you're tired. I like that. I like that. Just go do what you're trying to accomplish and then get back off. Okay. Do you So I I know we've done Man, I feel like we've done just about everything now. 30 minute, 20 minute, 15 minute and then an open track day. We had the open track day in Arizona which I think we found ourselves both just kind of doing 15 minutes right on those open on that on that open day. So you prefer the more time. I prefer the more time. Well, there was only two groups. I mean, if it would have been like if it would have been four groups, let's say at 30 minutes a session, so you're only on the track every other hour. Yeah. I wouldn't have liked that. Then I would have not liked it. But the fact that there was two groups making it possible to be 30 minute sessions that was nice yeah okay because i guess even if you cut it short you know and you're only doing 20 minutes you're still getting the same amount that you would on a normal track day yep so you're still going out once every hour so you get more time that way okay so i signed up for the one-on-one riding i had a rider coach shout out Stu. he's Stu. Stu. he's good good uh learn some good things from him I will. I, I forgot to tell him while I was at the track. He was actually on a Ducati Street Fighter. Okay. And you know, you do a lot of lead follows. Yeah. And uh, I forgot to tell him. Somebody, somebody listening to this, let him know that I said he needs a bike with a bigger fender, because every time I get close, he was pinging me pretty bad. <laughs> Just the rubber coming yeah. off. <laughs> oh man, that's good. That's funny. So one on one. Uh, Does a street fighter, sorry, just to touch on that, he didn't have like the stupid fender that comes. I had had one on there. It just didn't do nothing. Did it come back on the back of the tire though? Like not off the, not off the top of the swing arm, but around. Yeah, I think so. I never kind of like your, like your Husqvarna. Yeah. So all the rubber does have a chance to go straight up. Yep. Because that's not going to stop anything when it's underneath the, if you take the angular, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not go down that road. It's not important. <laughs> I appreciated the way they did it because again, I just want to, I want to shout out anybody wants to look that up racers edge, Las Vegas, you know, you can put a link to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, do, they do multiple ones throughout the year. Uh, usually linked with a CVMA weekend. The, and actually they did one on Wednesday and Thursday. Wow. Okay. couple things, couple things about it. Um, you know that I'm not very good at taking criticism from most yeah. people. Yeah. That's something I struggle with. And it's something that you gotta, 
you got to be able to take to get better. I get it. I get it. I'm not, but it was very, they did a, they did a good job in the way that basically like, I'm just going to be out there on track. You know, I, I'm going to follow you for a couple laps. Maybe follow me for a couple laps. You know, if I see you again, I'll come up. If you need something, let me know. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of pressure. And then he would follow up after every round. He'd come up and say, where are you hurting? How can I help? You know, have you identified corners you're struggling with? Let's talk through them. Wasn't, it was really casual. Let's just talk so rather, through this. And then, yeah, sorry. Not trying to interrupt necessarily, but rather than coming up and saying, hey, you need to work on this. You need to work on this. I noticed this. It's coming up and be like, I noticed everything. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I assume he didn't come up and be like, don't worry, you're making plenty of mistakes. I noticed all of them. But, you know, he's behind you watching you. So wherever you want to focus that, I mean, that sounds refreshing. That sounds nice. I could, because yeah. depending on who you are, some people take criticism really well. Some people don't. Right. I mean, you, you show up and you think you're doing great or maybe you, you don't think you're doing great, but you know it already. You don't need someone else to tell you that. No, I know I'm slow. That's fine. Right. Or what are you talking about? That was the freaking fastest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah, I'm a, everybody learns a little different and I'm a bit stubborn, but it's not so much that I don't, I love criticism. That's fine, but I don't necessarily react well to corner three. You need to do this, this, and this. I'm going to be watching you corner four. You need to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to be watching you corner five. I'm like, you know, at some point I just need to maybe pick one thing to work on and yeah, it's too much. All I at feel. Once. Yeah. So I, I know you can see all the problems. I know I'm far from perfect, but things click, you know, you start putting things together and you just, I, I'm the guy that just needs one thing in front of me, knock it out. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to notice uh, any of the other instructors. I mean, you said you had Stu, right? sounds like Stu was awesome. sounds like he probably helped you out quite a bit, but did you pay attention or were you able to catch like anyone else? Any of the other instructors, are they all kind of that same way or is that tailored to Stu only? No, it, it felt that way. It felt that way for all of them. I think it okay. was it was similar. So there was a time, which was also funny feeling, but uh, I came in. I came in after one of the sessions and Stu came over and said, hey, whenever you're ready, let's go sit in the classroom. We got some video of you. And I said, okay. And it turns out Dell, Dell's out there on a bike running around. He's finding the people that they're coaching and he's jumping on their rear tire. You know, three time number one plate holder at CVMA. He knows what he's doing out there. Mm -hmm. So he's just jumping on your rear tire and filming from a GoPro or something on his bike. And at least for me, I had no idea. I had no idea what lap he had filmed me on, but he filmed me for an entire lap. And then I got yanked in the classroom, sat down in front of a screen and, uh, told bluntly that you suck right here. You did good right there. It was delivered in a way that was meaningful to me and made a lot of sense. And it was easier to go back out on the track after visually, there was no argument. It was, it, you felt yeah. pretty naked. You felt pretty naked because it's, it's right not there like in front of you. Just sit in, the, sit in the pits and tell your boys, oh, yeah, man, I was dragging me in this corner and then I did this in that corner and that's what caused this in that corner. Nah, it was, it was a, we can stop it. We can back it up 10 seconds. Let's watch you go through that same thing four times. You, you know, the your... apex is eight feet away from you, right? <laughs> you see your brake finger right there? Yeah, watch. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. so so definitely that was definitely beneficial. Okay, but one of the most important things, and what I what I had heard the most about from people telling me to go do it, is Dale is famous for his track walks. Mm -hmm. I, I I gotta say, <laughs> and we we can get into this some more. This is kind of sidetracking, but uh, everybody always says that the best of the best are at CVMA. Mm -hmm. in the winter it's the off season for the moto america boys you know there's there's teams testing there's all off these kind of for things, right? moto gp moto two 
here I am. Since I paid for the one-on-one training, I was told to jump on the golf cart with Dale. With the there was like four or five other guys who were signed up for that. Mm-hmm. You jump on this golf cart, and I it's it's got a seat that faces backwards, right? So I run up there and I jump on the seat, and there's a guy already sitting there. I jump on the seat and I turn. It's Josh Hayes. <laughs> the most winningest, you know, mm-hmm. Moto America rider of all time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think yep. he, he took that record last year. Let's see. Let me let me pull up so we're not just maybe, you know, our listeners down in uh uh Australia over in Germany. Hello. Thanks for being here. I just want to pull up some info so we're not just spitting stuff out for no reason. Uh, Josh Hayes, 48 years old. Squid Hunter Racing and Josh Hayes will compete in the full 2023. Squid Hunter Racing. That's funny. Wow. I mean, there's just a lot of info on him. Sorry. Um, this is just his Wikipedia. I don't know if you want me to read this whole thing. Hit it. Professional motorcycle road racer. He started his road racing career at age 19, made a quick accession up through the ranks where he won his first three Wera titles in 1994. That's also Wera is, uh, I don't know, Southeast mostly, Eastern United States in general. Yep. Yeah, another, another club racing circuit series in America. Uh, numerous others in the following four years. He turned pro in 1996, also raced in MotoGP. Riding Suzuki Jixxer motorcycles, Hayes won the 1999 750 Supersport race at Daytona. Finished third in Formula Extreme class for the season. He won the 2003 AMA 750 Superstock Championship, riding an attack Suzuki Jixxer 750. 06 07 AMA Formula Extreme Championships on an Urian Honda CBR 600. And four AMA Superbike Championships on a YZFR1 2010, 11, 12, and 14. So, yeah. Pretty good record. Pretty good record and still racing at 48 years old. Yep. Still racing. Won a race, at least one race last year in the super sport class. Is, yeah, that's good. We need to need people to continue racing. Need new, <laughs> new people to race also. Need everyone to race. But anyway, name drop, right? Moral of the story, I jump on and I look over and there's Josh Hayes and he says, Hi, what? You know, who are you or whatever? And I said, I'm Colt. And he says, I'm Josh. And I said, I know. <laughs> yeah, oh, come on. You didn't say, I'm Colt Burmester, JK Moto Podcast. Don't you listen? Yeah. No, no, I didn't. Oh, man. Bummer. So, uh, very nice guy. Um, but directly after that, uh, Josh Heron jumps on the other side of the golf cart. Yeah, Josh Heron also. Uh, uh, I can I can pull up his Wikipedia if the people want that also. But anyway, another Moto America racer, another Moto Moto America racer, very well known guy out here. Factory Factory Ducati. Well, yep. sorry, I shouldn't say factory. New York, the Superbike yeah. Ducati team. Yeah, Warhorse. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warhorse. I mean, um, for, for Moto America, that's the the factory, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Pinnacle. It's pinnacle. Yeah. But he was out there training a little. A uh, young, young up and comer. So, so he was there just to get all this out of the way, just so we don't have to keep bringing it up. Corey Alexander was there. Okay, before we start, this is it. This is what you've been waiting for. We've talked about where you know where does everyone go in the winter? What is CVMA? Here you go. Okay. Corey, Corey Alexander was there. Andrew Lee was there. I was passed on track on Thursday. On that day, while I was doing one-on-one coaching, uh, there was there was a couple guys passed by, and I remember thinking in the helmet, "Gosh, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. These guys are so fast, right? Mm-hmm. Some of these guys are so fast, and I'm trying to watch their lines and thinking, how are they carrying so much speed? And as I'm thinking that, this black bullet, this bike comes flying past me so fast, flies into this big sweeping right-hand turn." Passes both those bikes I was just Googling over in the same corner. Gets all three of us in the same corner mm-hmm. like we were standing still. And the only thing I noticed is the bike was black and the helmet was a Joe Roberts replica helmet. And when I came off the track, I went back to the pits and I was like, man, I don't know who it is, but there's this dude out there in a Joe Roberts replica helmet that is so fast. And they were like, that's Joe <laughs> Roberts, you goofball. 
Oh, man. So, Joe Roberts, Moto2 uh, racer over in Europe. Yep. Been there for a little bit. American. Point out. <laughs> Fast. One of the, I've got one of the few. I've got him on camera passing me. And I've All also right. got, you know, somebody I know that's really, really fast. Had the same story in the pits. He was like, man, I just got passed by Joe Roberts. It was nothing. <laughs> I mean, he was moving. He, he was moving. So, so did, that was on Thursday. Was Joe Roberts there all weekend that you know of? I like, only, like how many of these guys were actually racing, I guess, is the bigger question there. So uh, Corey Alexander did. Um, Andrew Lee. Uh, there's, there's more just okay. pretty much a scatter shot of all of Moto America is out there, yeah. but Josh Heron, like I said, he was there training and then he was, I, he was out, I think after that day. Is there any like rule at CVMA against certain people racing CVMA? Not that I know of. Um, interesting. Okay. Correct us if we're wrong in the comments, but. I, I don't believe that there is because, uh, for example, Corey Alexander won the shootout. Yeah, I just I was thinking about it. You know, you mentioned Josh Josh Heron was doing training, um, and I know that there's money on the table for at CVMA, which is mm -hmm. which is cool. That's awesome for club racing. Um, a, a decent amount of money from what uh, I think we learned a couple weeks ago or whenever, um, which is great. That takes club racing kind of up a, up a notch. But if you've got a paid professional racer that kind of has a team behind them coming in, you know, what rules are there there? What rules are there comma there to keep that fair question mark? Do there need to be, does anyone want that? Is that, you know, I think it's a good topic of discussion for our, uh, CPMA people. So if you're listening, let us know, <laughs> just kind of yeah, curious what the thought is. I'd like to know the answer to that too. Cause the thought, the thought crossed my mind more than once over the weekend is, where do you draw the line? Should you draw the line? Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I didn't hear any, I, I sure didn't hear anybody crying about it. Which makes sense. Fair. I mean, yeah, it would just be kind of, I understand that, you know, Josh Heron's not going to show up with his warhorse Ducati. Allegedly, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe Josh Heron was the wrong example there. Anyway, uh, no, he doesn't cheat, but he, there are, because it like, for instance, in MotoGP, you'll see on weeks that they have off or in the winter, you'll see, like, I'm sure Mark Marquez has a Ducati V4R yeah. at his disposal now, right? Alex Renz was always out on a Suzuki and then went out on the new CBR because they're not allowed to ride the MotoGP bikes out outside of an official MotoGP session. So I would imagine the Moto America has that same rule, but as far as competing in races, I wonder if that's less run by CVMA and more run by the teams in Moto America. Anyway, I'm just rambling at this point. So someone that has an answer on that, let us know. Uh, come join us on the podcast. You know, we'd love to have you. And kind of the point I'm trying to make is not necessarily, like I said, not, not trying to name drop, just to try to paint the contrast um, at a USBA weekend, every once in a while, there'll be a big name there mm -hmm. that maybe not even racing. A lot of time, maybe it's training. They'll be coaching somebody or, or something like that. Every once in a while, you'll get a, a name and it, it, you know, if you search around on YouTube enough, you can definitely find times that all those guys have been to USBA at private track days or private sessions, things like that. You've been to, been to UMC. Not necessarily uh, USBA. Yes, correct. Jason Jason Pridmore's out there at that place. You know, also very talented, very long, illustrious career yeah. racing. Yeah, um, heard, heard he, that name. He, he's out there. I mean, there, and it's just normal. Uh, but little side note: Zach is it Zach from Revzilla? Anyway, the, the Revzilla boys were out there racing a scooter, for example. They had a giant film crew out there. or I say a giant film crew. They had a guy full-time filming them. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure there's a video coming out. Not to let that cat out of the bag, but 
we all know we were all there, right? But just a lot going on. There's just stuff going on everywhere. Big deal, big full grids, um, 200 racers out there, roughly. It was just shy of that, which is... Yeah, so so how is it for... I mean, it might be hard for you to you to say, but, you know, if I came down and I wasn't racing, is that worth coming out to just to hang out? Or maybe I just want to do the track day and I don't want to race? Uh, I absolutely think so. Um, CVMA has, or, or Chuck Walla, rather, they have two sets of bleachers out there that you can view. It costs $20 a person to get in at the gate. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a little much. Yeah, it, I don't. I mean, I don't personally think that's too much, but that's that's not a cheap ticket for a yeah, club racing. It's, Cal- it's California. It's less than a gallon of gas. <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. The atmosphere out there is great. Um, I can see why so many people are into it. Uh, don't say anything bad about it because I think they're all kind of a gang. Like, here's my here, here's here's my here's my. Uh, well, they, they can be because the one the one argument, let me let me say something bad real quick. They can be a gang. And my one argument, you know, our, our friend Lugnut over here saying he, his group of guys down at CVMA, he'd put them up against anyone, anywhere, anywhere in the nation, any other series, club, whatever you want to call it. You tell them, they'll figure it out. They'll come show up. They'll show down. Which I, I think that offer still stands. Back me up, Lugnut, in the comments. Uh, but, you know, they can because no one else races in the winter and they don't race in the summer. So they can go wherever they want in the summer because they're busy racing in the winter. Like that is, I think I, I want to know if it is purely, it can't be purely, but if it is heavily because of it being the only spot in America to race in the winter. Well, I, I think that's definitely got a huge part to it. I mean, it's not convenient. It's not close to anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the reason they're there. It is the only place that's still operating. The p- only place that's still warm enough. Yeah. Besides, I mean, Arizona should be, but I don't know. I still think, well, I don't know. The I don't know. They're just building this little mech out there, man. Everybody's hearing about it. Everybody's getting into it. Everybody's going. And and the quality of rider out there, I mean, they're they're feeding off of each other. And they've right. been feeding off of each other for years. And the times, I mean, everybody you talk to out there, the times have been just steadily dropping. I raced the, the, in amateur mm-hmm. and the, the amateur group, I mean, they're, they're ridiculous. We were talking before the podcast, the, if you look at the amateur group, you know, the top, the top five, six, seven, eight in the amateur group would be about mid pack in the expert group. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. There's nobody slow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and I, and I can say, you know, obviously I follow quite a quite a few motorcycle people, but on a CVMA weekend, like I, I noticed uh, all over my Instagram, it's everybody. That's how I knew Joe Roberts was there, right? I asked you about that because I was like, I, I saw it from Joe Roberts' Instagram. I saw it. Haven't you know? Glad to be back in the states or or whatever his post was, and it's Chuckwalla Valley Raceway. I was like, whoa, okay, interesting. Um, so everyone knows about it. Everyone does it. Uh, if you don't know about it, go check it out. You should definitely head down there, go support if you're anywhere near the area. And if, if you're not near the area, but you're able to travel in the winter, want to get some racing in and or maybe want to go show up to CVMA guys, see if you can hang great place to go test that out. So, and then I think that was my, my final question for you for the weekend before we, unless you had some, anything else big, um, before we hop over into some quick news was like, you kind of already answered that, but, but is it true, you know, compared to USBA compared to the other, we've been across the country and back, haven't been Northeast yet, but we've been Northwest, Southwest, Southeast and Utah compared to all the different groups of people. Does it stand true in your head? I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against them. If, if, if they start the street outlaws, you know, that I was, the new drama TV show that we're going to start where yeah. CVMA takes on the world or whatever. Yeah. If, if that's what, that's where I would put my money. I mean, I don't know. 
I, I guess maybe I didn't pay enough attention to the tail end. Maybe I'll go through some times later or whatever, but it just felt like there was nobody slow. I feel like I'm to the point where I can jump on a lot of grids and I'll beat some dudes because there's, there's going to be some people just starting out or people that are just not that fast for whatever reason. Yeah. There wasn't anybody, man. I'd fight for everything. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it should be. So, I mean, that is the way it should be, but I wonder where the, I mean, it keeps growing. So, I mean, the people are jumping in there and getting up to speed in a hurry. Yeah. But it, it's, it's like most environments. I mean, you know, keep bringing up Lugnut, but he always says it's a family. Mm -hmm. I got that. I got that family vibe. I didn't expect anything different. I mean, the USBA has a family vibe. Every track we went to, they have, it's their own little clicks. What, what I mentioned earlier about the gang thing, I found myself, I don't want to keep sounding like I'm taking any hits at USBA either, but those guys, those guys out there, when you hear them talk, there's a lot of ownership. That's our track, our club. We're racing this weekend. Yeah. It's not, none of them would say like, I'm going to the CVMA event. They're putting it on in their mind. I yeah. Mean, they just, they are a CVMA. It's not an they event that they're CVMA. going to. They are it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Interesting. Well, you know, the CVMA and uh, the track day org apex assassins, you know, maybe don't mess with them. I don't know. Not sure what they mean by that name. I'm assuming that just means that they kill, <laughs> kill every corner that they come to, but you know, whatever. Uh, I, I heard we're gonna get ourselves heard, banned on YouTube. I, I heard a random guy say that to somebody. He's like, "Why are you guys so violent?" I, I think he was talking to Rich. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Why are you guys so violent?" And the, the the guy was wearing a Track Day Massacre shirt. Yeah, and he's like, "Apex Assassins, Track Day Massacre. All you guys want to do is kill stuff." <laughs> and then Rich looks back and is like, "We wear pink, man. What do you want?" <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that uh, but I think. Let me let me just close with that was week three. Any y'all listening? You want to go out and take your shot at the the humble pie? They have seven rounds this year, so that's four more rounds. They go. Uh, the next one will be in January, and they go all the way through April. So there's still plenty of time to get out there, get signed up, and go go check it out. It's definitely definitely worth your time. Yeah, yeah, or you know, it's Christmas time. If you're on vacation, you happen to be in the southern San Diego area, or you're taking a vacation to get away for the winter, or what, whatever it might be, uh, it's worth stopping by. We'll have a link down in the description on on both whatever platform you're on. Go to the description of this episode. It'll have a link to CVMA down there. You can click on there, get on their calendar, figure out what what weekend you could go go support, even if you're not going to go race. Just go hang out with the boys and uh, see what they're all about down there. Hey, I had did you have MotoGP else. news? Really? Uh, just a couple of rumors. You want to well, knock that out first? Well, when we go to Moto America, I got facts. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> I also have facts. Yeah, well, you know, we're not the we're not the rumor spreading, but it's it's winter. Everything's a rumor at this point, so I just figured I'd kind of put out what what's out there, what I've seen this week. Um, that being one, we do know, in fact, America is back in MotoGP, not Moto2, not Moto3, MotoGP. Not as you would think, not with riders, but with a team. What that does for us, who knows at this point. Uh, I think everyone over here is speculating that's good news, that, that it's going to open up a spot, a more likely spot for an American rider to come up. Who that'll be, who knows. Not going to take any guesses at that. Well, um, let me, can I cut in? Yeah. Uh huh. I did listen to, and now you caught me off guard. You caught me off guard with the track star stuff. Because I can't remember who that owner is, what his name is, but I did. Pitbull. Did... Hmm. Pitbull. Is that what you're no, talking he's about? a he, he's a he's an investor. Yeah. Okay. But the uh, the actual owner of Trackstar is a former racer himself on cars or with cars. Uh, okay. I, I yep. heard. Yep, yep. You find him? You find him? No, not yet. So his uh, I've heard a couple interviews with him over the last couple weeks, and. Okay. And that question keeps getting thrown at him. Do you see an American rider over there? And and he's he's been pretty adamant that they would love nothing more than doing that. But he stopped short of saying it. I, I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but he, he, he kind of stopped short of saying 
that talent isn't here yet. It isn't there yet. It's not whatever. And he, he likened it to F1 right now. Uh, they're trying to get some Americans moved through the ranks, but it's a, it's not a two-year process or a one-year process. It, it might be a 10, 15 year process to try to. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've, to, to put that bluntly, we as a country over here have been falling short when it comes to motorcycle racers. Uh, when it comes to world sports in general, arguably, in my opinion, uh, I know we'd like to, we'd like to take our gold medal Olympics. I haven't watched the Olympics in a while. I know we'd like to take some gold medals, but I would say that there are a lot of other areas that we've kind of secluded ourselves to home ground Been like, no, nope, we got baseball, basketball, football. We're good to go. We always beat ourselves. So that way America never loses. And, you guys have fun over there and NASCAR. Sorry for you NASCAR people. So yeah, it could easily be because you can't just get a, I don't think there's an amount of money in the world or anything like that that can take your top CVMA guy and put him on a MotoGP bike and make him win a championship or make him necessarily ready for that. We had a couple of people go over Cameron Bobier. I think uh, we've had a couple arguments on the podcast here and, and in, in real time about whether or not you put him on, the big bike, if you would have done better, you know, it's all speculation, who knows, but if you want to have someone that is competitive, they need to be on those circuits from the start. Yeah. You need to start pretty early, pretty cradle, early on. Cradle snatching. They got to yeah. start getting some babies. Yeah. I don't know if you should say cradle snatching either, but <laughs> assassins, killers, massacres, <laughs> cradle snatching. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Anyway, um, so, yeah, the American team. The, the biggest news that I've seen, the biggest rumor that I've seen with that uh, that I think is kind of exciting, especially for us over here in America, is that that team and Dorna would like to put another... This is a rumor. I don't know if this is true or not. Rumor. Would like to put another race in America. The biggest reason that's still a rumor is no one knows where that would be. I think if anyone could go to Dorna today and be like, hey, this spot will work then Dorna would have probably already done that years ago. Again, that's my that's my opinion. Who knows? Maybe with us having a little bit more buy-in, we've got a, a team that's American-owned now. Who knows? But that is that is my MotoGP news there, rumor news. The other I rumor did, news. I, 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 I can add to that by saying that some of the name-dropping I was doing earlier mm -hmm. were, were discussing that very question, and they didn't have an answer either. Of where? Of where or where they would even think to put one. So yeah. that was, a, that was a discussion we had, you know, talking about some different tracks and. Yeah. And I mean, we could, I feel like you and I could probably chug up 30 minutes talking about where, um, I know we've, we've talked about it before. There's two spots. We would love to see it. One spot. We would super love to see it. And then plenty of other spots that I think we both know are not ready. Might be maybe one day. Right. There's a couple tracks in my head that I'm like, if Dorna came in with, you know, a few million dollars, like get this ready next year. And maybe, yeah, maybe they could do it. But is that worth it to them? Do they want to do that? So yeah, big, uh, big rumors there. The other big rumor uh, that I think is uh, in keeping with the standard golden underwear himself. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that this or not, but there've been multiple article drops of interviews with the Ducati guy saying that depending on what happens next year and everything else, two spots are going to open up factory Ducati marks already on the table for one of those spots. Yeah. I've, I've heard some of that stuff from the higher ups. I think Peko's definitely safe. He has to be. Yeah. I would assume, unless he just bombs off this year, but even then, yeah, this, this, this year is going to be bonkers, man. There's so many, so many yeah. people with contracts up. Uh, I think, I think you'll Still see Ducati. Season. I think you'll see Ducati get Peko signed early maybe even before the season starts just to limit that. So they only have to, they only have to battle with one seat. Well, and that actually, you know, from a, from a sponsorship camera time, news time, almost gets them more. If they only have one seat available, then they get to talk about it so much. Yeah. Cause if there's two seats available, then it's kind of like, Oh yeah, we know who they're going to pick. But if there's one seat, it's like, they're obviously keeping this open for a reason. Who could it be? And just give them even more camera time. So yeah. I just thought it was interesting to see that, that that was a quote out of the mouth of a Ducati team guy saying that 
he's not necessarily off the table, which, okay, yeah, he could technically say that about any writer, really. So that's true. Anyway, uh, that is my MotoGP news wrapped up. What do we got? Moto right. America. Well, let me move into Moto America. So big news in Moto America this week was Sean Dylan Kelly coming out of Moto2. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took Cameron Bobier's spot over on the Moto America, or excuse me, the American, American Racing, Racing yep. Fresh and Lean, OnlyFans, yada, yada, yada team. Sean Dylan Kelly will be coming back to America to race a superbike. It's a top pro motorsports team. Sounds new. It is new. Uh, there are some promises that they're bringing like eight bikes to the grid. Not in that class alone, but... Okay. I was like, well... <laughs> entirely. And guess what? Hmm. Hmm. They will be racing Alpha Racing BMW M1000 RRs in the Superbike class. So depending on what happens with Tyler Cycle, which I still can't get my full uh, bearing on. Yeah. But it could be the BMW Cup in Moto America. It and could. Gone. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing, though, is you, you say that, and you're like, yeah, man, if, if BMW just takes it. But then there's Gagne, who seems to be all but unstoppable at this point. Well, that's a whole nother tangent, but, and I know you can make this excuse, and I'm not making excuses. Gagne deserved the championship, won the championship. Gagne's awesome. Way to go. But, Cameron Bovier gave him a run for his money on a BMW, first year sitting on it, and ran into some unfortunate injuries because that was coming. That was going, they were taking punches, man. That was going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, Bovier don't have those injuries, which that's not Gagne's fault, but if Bovier didn't have those injuries, that might have been exciting right down to the end. But I want to call it a BMW Cup. No, but there was two BMWs on the grid. Yeah. And, well, there's more than two BMWs on the grid. There's the Shibe Racing BMW, for example. And I'm just, it's it's a 2010 or something. I'm, yeah, I think it's 2016, but yeah. <laughs> but. Hey, you know what? They're there. They're keeping it something. So we have yeah. something to watch. Yeah, they're there. Gotta love them. And, and uh, you add another two potentially not this year but the new ducati team that's coming in they promised to put a super bike on the grid in 2025 so warhorse might throw two on there who knows i mean you could have you could have four ducatis on the grid and four bmws next year or by 2025 and it's i don't know it's getting interesting but yeah. i have to i have to give some so i hope I hope Tyler Cycle stays in there. Please, Tyler Cycle, stay in there. Bring Bobier back. Put him on your bike. We want to. We want that grid full. I mean, we want. We don't want to hear about people falling out. And we've heard some scary things about people falling out and looking for rides and all those kind of things. And unfortunately, we had some more bad news today that I picked up on. Yep. Yep. I think I know where you're going. West B Racing is pulling out of Moto America. Effective immediately. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Trig Westby, the owner, has, has health issues and is, has been struggling to make it to races. And he has just decided to close down his company. They've had some other hardships and personal hardships in not too distant memory. And mm-hmm. he's the sole proprietor of Westby Racing. And he's decided to close it. So they'll be pulling sponsorship. So that puts Matthew Schultz. I don't know what. Hopefully he can find something else to put together because it'd be really unfortunate to not have that team on the grid. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm, I'm just reading his uh, his quotes over here. Yeah. It just mentions, you know, one of the toughest decisions he's ever had to make. Gave it a lot of careful thought. Started with his son, Dane. Kept it going after his son passed with the team as an answer we continue continued to run the team as an answer to wwdd what would dane do so it sounds like kind of son must have loved 
motorcycle racing. He obviously loves motorcycle racing. I think you have to to sponsor a team. I don't think there's necessarily a ton of money in that, unless you're a motorcycle manufacturer. Anyway, right. yeah, that is, uh, no, I don't know. That's unfortunate. You know? it's, it, yeah, it's just tough. It's tough. We're over here trying to, I don't blame, I don't blame, uh, Westby, don't blame that at all. You know, I get the I get the scenario. It's just tough to see things like that happen because we're over here trying to make sure we keep promoting the sport, get everyone in. We'd love more more big sponsors and whatnot. And I'm not just talking us, JK Moto Podcast per se, but I think most motorcycle racers in general rather not see it die off. So Yeah, we definitely don't want to see it take a step back when the last couple of years it's felt it's really felt like it's been ramping up. It's early. It's early. We'll see what the grid looks like when the time comes around, but yeah, it is only December. We got some, some months. But so that's all my Moto America news. All right. Well, I mean, I could I could sit here and spit more rumors, but that's all I got. Also, uh, let us know down in the comments what you guys think. If you had to pick one track in America to add to the MotoGP grid, including I don't I don't know if we have any out of country that know any other racetracks. Um, we'll say if you say Laguna Seca, it's not going to happen. But. Uh, <laughs> I don't, we could talk. I don't even want it to happen. I want a yeah. new, I want a new track. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But the ridge. I don't think that's MotoGP friendly either. Oh, not yet. But again, if Dorna came in with the money and just said, <laughs> "Here you go," then <laughs> I, I didn't mean a facility standpoint. I don't know. That would be the most unique track they race potentially. Yeah, it definitely would be. It feels a little too small. Almost everywhere I can think of, besides UMC road atlanta but it's too old it's too anyway there's a, it, like i said thing. we could yeah we could chug up 30 minutes doing that so we won't do that today but uh please if you're still here and you haven't yet click that subscribe button below click the download button on your platform we're on just about every platform you can be on for a podcast we're also on youtube so if you're done listening you just got home just got to work and you're sitting around wondering what you're doing for the day not doing anything Check us out on YouTube. Go check out some other videos. Throw a like on the video and then, yeah, let us know. And, uh, one, you see VMA guys, please answer our questions. And then two, <laughs> what track? What track? Yeah, what's up, TVMA? Come on. Let's see it. Let's see it in the comments. Yeah, real showdown. Call them out. So, anyway. Hey, uh, well, well, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Also, it's it's Wednesday. Merry Christmas on Monday. Probably still have an episode next week. So. Yep. Post Christmas, come check us out next Wednesday. We'll be here. Sounds you guys good. have a have a happy holiday with your families. Happy holiday. Thank you.